This is the EPLOG audio experience. You are listening to the Artist Podcast with me, Suchita. Stay tuned. There were approximately 15,000 plus films submitted to Sundance 2023. More than half of them were made by first-time directors. There were 4,061 feature-length films, 1,662 were from the US and 2,399 were international films. Out of these feature-length films, only 111 feature films had to be selected for the final competition section of the festival. With this rush for making a movie, what are the chances that a worthy film will go unnoticed our guest for this episode is film critic jonathan rosenbaum mr rosenbaum was the head film critic for the chicago reader from 1987 to 2008 he has published and edited numerous books about cinema and has contributed to such notable film publications as sight and sound and film comment enjoy Hi Jonathan sir welcome to our podcast the artist thank you for joining in thank you for this eventful morning we had with the sound issues <laughs> but uh, finally hopefully we sorted it out and thank you for being here no it's great to be here i hope it's not as cold where you are there's where i am <laughs> no it's pretty cold it's pretty cold here and um, i think it could be because of global warming but i think let's just hope things get better jonathan sir i was going through your your amazing work that you've been doing since early 70s uh, as a film critic you've been part of sight and sound uh, you were also part of the sight and sound poll 2022 which we will come to later in the discussion but just to start off you are the son and the grandson of an exhibitor and you understand the deeper parts of how a film gets distributed or exhibited just being in the environment in the ecosystem do you see a drastic change as we move forward in terms of film exhibition and distribution after uh, the ott coming what what is a kind of future that you envision well it's I, i'm not very good at predicting the future hmm. but one thing i like about the change is that i like the idea of being able to handle films the way you handle books hmm. and which you can do now and uh And in fact, the book that I'm working on now is about uh, is collecting all of my uncollected literary criticism as well as film criticism and also my jazz criticism. So I'm trying to sort of show the the relationship between the three art forms, and uh, and in a sense, because you know, even though the I think the film is still a social activity, but it's social in a different way from the way it was before. Because before you were seeing a film with lots of other people in the same auditorium. Now it's sort of like there's a lot of discussion on the internet before you see the film, and then there's a lot of discussion on the internet after you see the film. So it's still social, but it's sort of directed differently. In some ways, it may be even more social. because there may be more discussion of what the most significant changes in the landscape of movie making that you've seen besides uh, the ott platforms well it seems to me what's happening is it's much easier to make a film of some kind yeah but it's much harder to get it seen in 
Yes. You know, uh, because, you know, the multi-corporations are, you know, dominate everything and even have convinced a large portion of the audience. Yeah. Those are the only films worth discussing. Uh, so the funny thing is, is that I would have thought the Internet would have made, you know, my country, America, more in touch with the rest of the world. But in fact, it's closed off America much more because mm-hmm. people are conformists and they sort of like, uh, I don't know, somehow. Whereas it, it's a different experience for me because I, one thing I'm very proud of is the fact that on my website, you know, at least half of the people who come to my website are not from the United States. Yeah. And so I feel like I'm, I'm, that my community is actually a global community and not a, a, an American. Yeah. Be an American community. Yeah. But I think for a lot of Americans, it's become, Americans have become more isolationist than they were even during the Cold War. Yeah. That's a great point, Jonathan, sir, that it is easier to make a movie, but it is so difficult to actually get it seen out there. And I think that is what uh, I think a lot of filmmakers are facing the issues. I was just reading the figures in Sundance where there were 10,000 plus films being submitted and uh, 10,000 plus. Now, that's that's a huge number. And there were only 111 films that got screened in the competition section. Now, considering this ratio, as you said, it is easier to make a film, but it's very difficult to get it seen. As a critic, Jonathan, sir, it's definitely very challenging to uh, point out the worthy films, as we call it. But what about the films that never get seen, that never come in the radar of a festival? And of course, they never come in the radar of a film critic. Well, one thing that annoys me a lot Right. I mean, that's terrible if good films just get, uh, uh, are not, are never seen. So, so when you actually get into a polling, Jonathan, sir, when you say that, okay, we are going to shortlist a film, which is best for 2022, what are the criteria as a critic that you have to face or the criteria that you choose to select those 10 or 20 films of 2022? How, how does a critic do well, that? Mm-hmm. I feel that the only criteria that's worth paying attention to are the ones that films propose. But I don't like to sort of like come to a film and say, you know, a film has to be X, Y, and Z or Z before I can look at it, you know? I think we, we, we obviously follow our instincts, but at the same time, I don't, I don't like the idea of imposing. See, my idea of what criticism should do is that it should intervene in a public discussion. 
It shouldn't be the last first word of the last word in that discussion. It should just intervene. And if it's good, it improves the, maybe the quality of the discussion. But mm. it shouldn't be the idea of the sort of being, uh, I don't like the idea of being an expert, you know, which, which for that reason, I usually turn down offers to auto to be a you know, the only person on an audio commentary. I want to be one voice among several voices. Right. If that makes sense. Right. Right. So, uh, you know, but just for just for the knowledge of the filmmaking community, you definitely don't want to get into the criteria. But do you think that there are criteria that filmmakers can pay attention to uh, while making the film? Uh, is it aesthetic? Is it a story? Is it uh, what is what are the criteria that they can pay attention to when they are trying to make a film? Well, I think each each film has its own. You know, in other words, I don't want to prescribe. What I think people should do, I'd rather judge what people do after they do it, but I don't want to uh, say in advance, do more of this or you should do more of that, in a kind of general way, because I don't think that's a valid uh, opinion. Right. When we say South Asian cinema, and now we are saying that South Asian cinema is going to be something that, you know, everyone needs to uh, watch. It's slightly come into more prominence uh, this year. What are the few things that come to your mind being somebody who is well-read, well-traveled, American film critic? When we say South Asian cinema, what are the few things that you would expect? I think the South Asian cinema, from my mind, and I argue this in the book I'm working on now, Hmm. niche markets, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that I'm a, uh, that I'm a cult writer. <laughs> you know, in other words, to me, that the changes that take place in art come from small groups of people. They don't come from, you know, they don't come from the New York Times. They come from, uh, you know, if you think of the Italian New Wave, the French, I mean, Italian neorealism, the French New Wave, you know, beat literature, pop and music, all of these things are small groups of friends. Yeah. And then it later filters down to, you know, a larger group. But it's, the point is, what interests me hmm. is when it's still a cult, when it's still a, like a secret among friends, because then it's more intense. And so that's why uh, I like, you know, operating my website, because it's sort of like uh, yeah. catering to a specific community which is, uh, and the point is, if you write for the New York Times or the New Yorker or someplace like that, yeah. then the place that you write for labels you and defines you. But if you are defining your own, if you're independent, then you're brand yourself what I prefer. Okay, Jonathan, so you mentioned about Cronenberg's spider in one of your write-ups. And you said yeah. that the film asks us to piece together what really happened in the past and even after two viewings i haven't entirely succeeded but i was floored by cronenberg's mastery of the material now when we're talking about mastery of the material and piecing things together in the current times of content creation do you see that the audience has the time to piece together cinema do you see cinema being replaced by these content creators who once were the audience themselves i don't know but i mean so mm. i can't really uh talk about what I think other people will do and so and things like that in the future. Hmm. Uh, it's an interesting question, though, that you're raising. I think it's sort of like, one of the things I love about Jim Jarvis's Patterson hmm. is it postulates the idea that everybody is an artist, but, but, but most people don't know that they're artists, yeah. that they're an artist. Yeah. And uh, but I still think the fact that I mean the fact that everybody dreams 
in a way, is almost proof of the fact that everybody is an artist. Yeah. A dream is a kind of aesthetic creation in a certain way. Yeah. And no two dreams by two people are alike, I'm sure. They're all, they're yeah. all very personally inflected by, you know, their own personalities and memories and so on. So I think that it's not that we're changing in the content creators. We've always been that. It's just that we have to acknowledge and use it. Yeah. In a better way, I think. Yeah, like this uh, this is a great point where you mentioned everybody is an artist. Do you see that even the cinema that we have admired so far, the classics, we talk about Hitchcock, we talk about Tarkovsky, we talk about Antonioni, we talk about Godard, talk about Wong Kar Wai. Do you see that legacy being seen by, again, it's a very futuristic question, but as a film critic and with your experience, does that legacy last or do you think another legacy is going to take over it? Well, it lasts for me, and it lasts for other people I know. I mean, you know, I've just been, you know, sort of like adjusting to the death of uh, one of my brothers who was, I was very close to. Mm. And the funny thing is, I feel like he's still around. He died happily, and so I feel like there's a certain kind of way in which I haven't felt his loss because I feel he left some, mm. you know, in me. Mm. And so I'm carrying, I'm, I'm basically uh, his survival and other people, you know, who cared about him. And it's the same thing with films and books and, you know, whatever. I think uh, I'm not apocalyptic. I know most of my uh, people my age and are, who are contemporaries are apocalyptic, but I'm not. Yeah. I tend to be optimistic. <laughs> right. Maybe I, maybe I, maybe I, you know, I... The title of my of the book I'm working on is "It Dreams Begin Responsibilities." Wow! Yeah. So that means that I believe, which is a line from William Butler Gates. So I believe in dreams, but I also believe in responsibilities. Yeah. Again, reiterating uh, the question that the literary works that are out there. The literary works, like for example, I was watching Winter Sleep by Celan. I don't know if you watched that film. It's a three hour long film. What, what film, I'm sorry? It's called Winter Sleep. Winter Sleep by Celan, the Turkish director. You know, it rings a bell, but part of the problem is, you know, sometimes when people ask me if I've seen a certain film, I have to look it up on my own website yeah. to know if I've seen it. And then even after I read my review, I don't remember it. <laughs> part, of the, part of the problem with being a film critic is not just that you have to remember a lot, but you have to forget a lot. Yeah. In other words, you have to make whatever you're writing about this week seem important, and then you have to forget about it so to make room for something else that will be important next week. Yeah. So I may have seen Winter Sleeps, but I can't be sure now. And you also mentioned that, uh, about Bellatar's film, the seven-hour-long film that got screened and the audience still came to watch. Yes, that's right. That uh, showed in Chicago recently, and it was for somebody from, uh, uh, who was uh, who attended said that it was sold out, and that's kind of amazing. This is all these years after it was made, a seven-hour film, and I mm-hmm. think that. So I think in some ways the audience, you know, even though people my age are often saying that audience, the audiences today know nothing about cinema and they don't care about art and all of this, it just depends on who you're talking about, you know. Yeah. And I and. I, as I've argued before, the quality of the audiences matters a lot more than the quantity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel that in my own readership. You know, when I wrote for the Chicago Reader, I had thousands and tens of thousands more, you know, reading me every week. 
but now that I have, you know, a little, you know, we're usually an average of a thousand a day, it's better because it's more focused. So I don't think it's necessarily, you know, that there, this idea that the more people who sort of like appreciate an artwork, the better, is not is not thought through because I think it's, the idea is sort of like people who I, I value the intensity over the uh, you know the the number the number of people you know yeah 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 I, I know think that the intensity is more important yeah yeah tell me Jonathan so you expressed a lot of your thoughts on Godard. And in one of your write-ups, you've mentioned about a woman as a woman who is just, which was Godard's fourth film, and which was a, a French new wave independent cinema at its best. Again, I've been talking about it to a, quite a few people in terms of the landscape and the growth of cinema, or rather than growth, changes in the way we perceive cinema. Do you think that Godard is going to work now in today's times? His style? No, oh, yeah, because I mean, one of the things that Godard brought to yeah. Filmmaking, which I value a lot, is that he combined being a critic with being, um, you know, an inventor. Hmm. And, and I think that, you know, A Woman is a Woman is not very, it's not a good musical. Hmm. But it's a very interesting film about the musical hmm. in a certain way. I actually don't think it's as, I mean, I actually think Alphaville is a better film that works with another genre. Mm. Uh, I think a, a, a woman is a woman, and the problem is, is that it doesn't use music well enough. I mean, I think to me, it's not one of his uh, strongest songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, but but you do feel that Godard is going to last in the next fifty, yeah. sixty, hundred years. Oh, I think so. Mm. But I mean, you know, how can I, comp- you know, how you know, it's a, saying whether something will last or not is like is a little bit almost like saying. Uh, this was a good year for cinema or a bad year for cinema. Mm. You know, how do we know that, we, you know, that a bomb isn't going to fall on all of those five minutes from now, you know? Mm. And in that case, Godard wouldn't last, you know? Yeah. I think there are too many things we don't know for us to be able to sort of, like, talk about things like that. Mm. I think we have to enjoy the, and, and, the, and think about the present, but not the future. Hmm, hmm. Sure. Jonathan, sir, tell me, in this sight and sound poll, there were many classics that were omitted. Like you have mentioned in your write-up that you had to omit while you were uh, part of the poll. You did not include Tarkovsky. You did not include uh, Wong Kar Wai. You did not include a lot of other uh, classics that were so far part of the hundred of sight and sound. Well, all I can say is, you know, whenever one does a poll, one has to think about the present. I wasn't thinking about the yeah, yeah. Uh, I was, it was just what I felt at that moment were the things that, you know, that mattered most to me. Um, and it could change, you know, a day later, you know. I think that, uh, I mean, I assume that probably the most controversial thing film that I've been to was AI artificial intelligence because mm. it's not, it's not, it's a film that's kind of dismissed by you know, a lot of people. But, yeah. You know that I think the point is is that I might I put to, if I put together the list now, it would probably be different. You know, um, I think as much as I admire Tarkovsky, I don't really like his sexual politics. I think that's one thing that kind of puts me a little bit against him. Hmm. I don't like the idea that the uh, hero of the sacrifice, you know, burns down his house and it's all about him. It doesn't. 
he's not even concerned about what it does to his family, you know, etc. You know, um, so that's I, even though I think he's a great filmmaker, I yeah. think he's a great filmmaker with limitations. Sure, as a film critic. And again, this is uh, as an as an advice or being futuristic. What do you think will work now in terms of storytelling, in terms of cinema? Any any vision you would like to share with our listeners who are filmmakers, who are actors, who are film critics, you know, programmers from festivals who actually have told me that they do not get the time to watch all the films that are being sent to them. That's true of me. Also, that's true of me. Also, but I actually like to think. Okay, the thing that I think is really important, you know, because there's so much important, is that the kind of ways people choose their own identities, rather than sort of like make a big deal out of what identities, you know, like that were handed to them, that they were born with. You know, like I didn't choose to be American, I didn't choose to be Jewish. Yeah. I didn't choose. Yeah. But at the same time, I chose to be a film critic at some point, and I chose to be a writer. And so I think the important things about our, you know, what we is is what we choose, not what we're assigned. You know, yeah. If that makes any sense, I think it's sort of like uh, it's a. I guess you could say it's an existentialist position hmm. that I really believe that that what we create is more important than what we inherit. Yeah. that's yeah that's a great point you know but again cinema is a collective art form and it's a collaborative art form and uh, creating cinema is one of the toughest thing to do in terms of getting right from your conception to your funding to your release of the film and yet we see so many people uh, running towards trying to make a feature film with the sundance submission which has crossed like more than 10000 it's unimaginable to even think what is going to be in the coming you know 5 years going to be like in terms of making movies but who are we making the movies for well i think that, i think we're making movies for people who can share the things that we care about that's all i think it's uh, i don't know i i realize that one the reason why i decided not to be a filmmaker Yeah. You know, was really because I didn't like the idea of depending on someone else's money in order to practice my art. Yeah. I, the advantage of being a writer is you don't need any money. You know, it's sort of in order to write. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason why, when I was very young, I decided not, I didn't want to be a jazz because the life that came with it was not an agreeable life. Yeah. Um, but I think that the idea of it's very hard, but you know, because so much of what happens based on economic, you know, questions when you're a filmmaker, yeah. unless you sort of make films with your phone, or, you know, where it's where it's where economy is not an issue. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how to how to really answer that except. Yeah. Just to say that I think that people. Uh, I mean, I know a lot of frustrated filmmakers who wouldn't dream of using their own phone to shoot something. But I don't. I just thought if they wanted to express themselves, why not? You know, mm. it's sort of like it, it. It is true that. I mean, there are cases where films that were made for very little money still get a large public. Uh, you know. Drawn to them. Yeah, it, it happened with uh, the Blair Witch Project, which is probably the most famous example. But I'm sure there are others. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's not. You know, it, 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 it takes time. In other words, there are many films that we value now that were not valued when they were originally released. A film like Wanda, for example, was not nobody paid any attention to when it came out, but now it's considered a classic. That's yeah. a lot of what we. 
that are classics. I mean, think of the idea of Jean Dielman topping the pole, sight and sound. And that, that's a film, you know, to me what that, what that proved was that the academics have taken over somewhat. Yeah. Because uh, I like that film very much, but at the same time, I don't think it's, I wouldn't consider it the greatest So the point to ponder on this weekend is that why are you hustling to make your film? Who is your audience and who is going to watch your film? Take care guys, have a great weekend.